This is the BYO Brand Podcast, the creative incubator and branding launchpad for brazen entrepreneurs. Fearless enough to blow that damn proverbial box up. If that's you, welcome to the virtual space where you can learn how to make your mark. It's like the blueprints to turn your business into a brand and your brand into an icon. So tune in, turn it up, and step up to the virtual soapbox hosted by yours truly, me, Hannah Laham, and let's start a digital riot. Well, hey there, badasses. Welcome back to the BYO Brand Podcast. I'm Hannah Laham, the host, and we're back with the third and final installment of our In a Perfect World 10-Year Brand Plan series. For those of you who are returning, thank you guys so much for all of your likes, shares, and subscribes. I'm truly grateful for the love, and the SEO gods are honored by your dedication. Just a reminder, guys, this is the third episode of a three-part series, so if this is your first time joining us or you missed the first two parts, you might want to backtrack and tune into those because today we're picking it up where we left off with your 7 through 10. Oh, one more big note before we bust right in. This marks the end of season one of the podcast, and I want to thank you guys so much for being my ride or die during this wild branding ride. But just because season one has come to a close doesn't mean the show is over. Oh, no. This is just the beginning. During the interim, I'm going to be interviewing more ambitious entrepreneurs just like you and recording episodes on a whole other level. Season one was about building the basics. In season two, I'm going to blow this branding thing out of the water like the pirate I aspire to be. So stay tuned because I'm releasing a bonus episode, trailer, and some other goodies along the way. But you're going to have to be subscribed to get notifications wherever you tune into your favorite podcast. And you can follow me on all the social channels. I'll update you there as well. But without further ado, let's get straight to it with the Q&A of the day from B. Roderick. B writes, that brand purpose episode was my first time listening to the podcast and I can't get it out of my head. I know why I started my e-commerce site and I know what my product does for my customers, but I'm lost when it comes to finding the deeper purpose, like the Dove example. How did they get body confidence from soap? I sell women's organic personal care products. What's my higher purpose when I'm in this for the money, frankly, and for the love of the product? Thanks. B. B, thank you so much for writing in. And on a side note, we're all in this for the money. Anybody who says less is full of crap. On some level, we're in this for the money. Now, you're going to either love me or you're going to hate me for this answer. You know the answer. You may not think that you do, but trust me, somewhere in you, you do. All business owners do. If you did the brand purpose work from episode 10, then you have the brand belief, brand truth, and brand behavior guiding you. Look at those and ask yourself, besides money, why did you create your company? Why the personal care product market when you know going into this thing that that was a highly saturated marketplace? So you must have seen some gap there that the market wasn't delivering for people. Something people were asking for, but the industry just didn't have. Whatever that is, that's going to be your brand belief. Next, I want you to look at your brand belief and ask yourself, what does your product and brand offer that no one else does? 
What are you doing in reaction to your brand belief to solve that problem? That's your brand truth. Then um, look at that belief and the truth and ask yourself, what specific action are you taking to ensure that the market doesn't have to deal with that pain point ever again? If you think back to Dove, Dove didn't have a higher purpose from day one. The Dove our parents knew was about selling soap. (laughs) They made up one and then went all in and we loved them for it because it actually fit pretty well. Think of their product, soap. To use soap, we're all in the dreaded bathroom where scales and mirrors live. We remove our clothes compare ourselves to some Photoshop social construct someone else in a boardroom came up with. They knew that the customers who purchased the soap in the household was predominantly women, and that was one of our greatest issues with ourselves. Look at your product and audience. Be honest. What are they struggling with that you're addressing? I really hope that that helps, B. If you need help in branding, guys, you know, like the professional kind, send your questions to shout out at byobrandpodcast.com for an on-air answer from yours truly. Now, let's take this party to a perfect world. Here's seven to nine are the rock star years, guys. Like a rock star, it's about expanding your ecosystem. What would your company be doing if they were like no boundaries and unlimited funds? Seriously, no responsibilities. What would that look like? In year seven, eight, nine, I'd like you to drop reality down the pooper. Forget that you sell, well, anything. In fact, think of yourself less like a business and more like a movement. Live your brand out loud and do it the way you wanted to before reality and obligation took hold. People respect and follow those who rock to the beat of their own drum. And your inner rock star is your unique competitive advantage. It's a light people are drawn to, man. Clarifying, I'm not saying to squeeze in your skinnies and play the electric guitar. If you do, that's on you. I am saying... Think bigger. Be led by intelligent optimism, dreams, passions, rather than fear, obligation, responsibility, that stuff. In the digital age, you can bring it. Running a business within your means and still reach thousands, hell, millions of people. Obviously, that's not going to look the same for each and every one of us. But here's what it may look like and some of the branded steps that I'd advise during these years. Number one, become the media. If you don't know your brand's purpose, that single word that tells you what you actually sell rather than what you think you sell, you're going to need that before moving on. Episode 10 is a solid start to that. Blast your brand purpose and your USPs on every platform that makes sense to your industry. Podcasts, um, featured articles, YouTube, social, anywhere. Get the word out and manifest opportunity. The idea is to become the authority in your space so that your people come to you to consume media on that topic. Because when you become the resource, you become so much more than a want. You, my fellow badass, become someone's need. 
Number two, brand reputation. A recent study of 3,000 branding and marketing agencies were asked, what was a brand's most valuable asset in their opinion? Obviously, the answer was brand reputation or else I wouldn't be talking about it, right? Your brand has to precede you, being the reason someone chooses you over your competition. Let me ask you something. If you asked your customers why they purchase from you right now, what would that answer be? That answer must reflect your brand purpose and mission. If it does, that's an indicator that, hey, your branding's working. If it doesn't, I see brand reputation management in your future. Your reputation directly contributes to your bottom line, so it's fair to say it's a bit important. Obviously, this is an episode in and of itself, but I'm going to give you two quickie ways that you can instantly boost yours for free. Number one, employees. Your reputation starts and ends with employees, vendors, and anyone you come into regular contact with because those are the individuals with the insider scoop. They see you each and every friggin' day, right? Their opinion matters more than you might think it does in the minds of the public. Trust me, you want these folks on your side. Yes, they should like you, but we're talking more about internal brand culture here. The second part is service and support. When a customer has an issue or asks a question, whether it's on Google or your website's robo-chat feature, how do you respond? Is it aligned with your branding? So, because if it's not, let me, let me put down a scenario for you. In America, we have this thing that we do. We all know that we do it, but we don't really talk about it. You know the thing, don't you? We'll be absolutely smitten with the company, and after years of purchasing, an issue occurs. And when we reach out to that business, we just know that they're going to instantly fix it and make the world right again. God forbid it takes longer than 24 to 48 hours for a response. So then we go and we write a bad review and we tell the next friend and the next friend after that that we see that, oh no, we're switching brands. All of that for a single snafu after years of brand love. And as swift as we were to axe that brand, it's highly likely that we never wrote them a good review in the first place for years of excellent behavior. So protecting and increasing your brand's reputation doesn't take a business overhaul. Simple daily efforts add up for big results over time. Which brings us to number three, make it human. By years seven to nine, you've been at this for a while. And technically, each person represents a sale. After all, that's the goal, isn't it? It's easy to fall into the trap where the numbers on our Google Analytics page no longer portray the flow of people, but the sales rolling into our accounts. But that would be the beginning of the end of any success streak you've had thus far. We brand our businesses to make them relatable to our customers. People have nothing in common with Dove, a business selling soap, but body confidence? That's something we can all relate to. Your brand should start a two-way conversation. Take a look at yours. Make sure that it's still meaningful and speaking to your audiences. Number four, brand audit. Yep, again, you knew it was coming. (laughs) 
Number five, community. Nothing strengthens a business quite like a community. Because if you sound the horn of injustice or need for help, they're going to rally beside you as you have done for them over all the years. Entrepreneurship can feel like a lonely path for one, but when you foster relationships with your audience, those people who support you, you're not alone. Not really. Think about it. Would you let your favorite local coffee shop fail without, at the very least, posting or sharing a post about them or grabbing two extra coffees and maybe a pastry that week? If that coffee shop ceases to exist, your morning routine and hangout spot would be non-existent. So community, you want to pour everything you've got into making sure you serve them the best that you've got. If your doors, virtually or physically, are open for business, you have got a community. And they're the people buying from you, liking your posts, attending events, getting emails from you, all that stuff. The real question is how well are you serving that community? For example, if you're that coffee shop, you've got some die-hard coffee fanatics who would love nothing more than for you to, like, host a friendly latte art competition against other local shops. I've seen that happen in action with phenomenal results, by the way. Or maybe host a cupping once a month for your gaggle of coffee lovers. Blubbers. Lovers. <laughs> Bring to life the things you imagined in your head from day one for your community. Find ways to interact with them regularly. It's just a win-win. You become a trusted authority on the subject with an army of foot soldiers spreading the word of mouth, and they get a reliable source of information, a place they can call home and products and services they actually can believe in. There's no downsides to having a community. It only goes up from here. Year 10. The difference between a 10-year-old and a 20-year-old is extraordinary. The same goes for the gap between 20 and 30, but at some point it kind of levels out. There's no distance greater than year 1 to year 10. Julius Caesar nailed it when he said experience is the teacher of all things. In 10 years, you know by now that anything is possible. That's why I've lovingly dubbed year 10 reflect and reset. I would be fabricating something if I tried to walk you step by step through what you should do next. Your business is unique and so will your approach be. No one knows your company like you do and as I'm going through the checklist, take what applies, leave the rest on the table for the next person. The experiences gained in those 10 years, it's altered the fabric of your company. But the years have also altered the very thing we built your brand around in episode 11, your audiences. Let's start there. Number one, target audience. Throughout these three episodes, we've discussed customers in a variety of ways. And you may be thinking, got it customers are important. And I get that. But it's not until year 10 that you step back and go, holy crap. Allow me to elaborate more eloquently with some examples. Disney holds the keys to the kingdom on this one. 
Disney was designed for children and families, but it's fair to say that the children of today are not the mud-slinging bike riders of 10 to 15 years ago. To stay relevant, they evolved every aspect of the Disney experience. I mean, come on, have you seen the characters? They might have the same name as when we were kids, but that is not my Mickey. (laughs) They've never looked more spiffed up in 3D than they do now. I find myself feeling a little bit aged when I tell my eight-year-old, hey, that is not Mickey. When I was a kid, cartoons were way better. (laughs) I know if you have kids out there that you do it too. From strong female leads and more diverse lineup, they've really exemplified a business pivoting to remain a powerhouse in their field and with their intended audience. But while Disney opted to change their product but keep the market, brands like General Mills took another path when it came to this point. Think about this one. Cereal in the 90s. It wasn't about a nutritious breakfast, not in the U.S. at least. It was about status. Come on, you remember the mad toys we collected to compare with our pals? Eat enough cereal and you could collect them all. Oh, and how could we forget the connection between eating sugar for breakfast and education, right? Box tops. Box tops was a piece of marketing genius I couldn't appreciate then, but I certainly do now. It brought parents and educators on board with eating sugar. How could you not buy this stuff as an American parent in the 90s? You literally helped local schools by purchasing and eating processed shapes with an ingredient list that had anything but food in it. Kids, now for the first time ever, it's a marshmallow inside a marshmallow. The stars in the balloon. Wow. Mm, doubly delicious. It's the magical part of a complete break. And then, Marco was forced to come to terms with the repercussions of our food choices. Marketers came up with a new way to make money. From real food was no longer just food, it became health food. Marshmallows and red dye were just not acceptable breakfast food choices anymore. Not that they ever were, but moving on. Suddenly, the same generation notorious for shoveling bowls full of colored sugar and starch down their pie holes decided their children just would not be following in their magically delicious footsteps. Which meant companies like General Mills now had a serious identity issue on their hands. For a minute, if you remember, they stubbornly injected the aisles with purposely confusing false advertising. You know, like when Kellogg's tried to pass off frosted mini-wheats that they boosted your child's immune systems. (laughs) That happens. Oh, wait, I didn't forget I am picking on General Mills. How could we ever forget that the American Heart Association sponsors Honey Nut Cheerios as a cholesterol smart choice, right? They might not still do it, but I think they do. Anyways, eventually we, the public, found out and we did what us Americans do best. We sued them for false advertising claims. Wheaties, at least. I'm not so sure about Cheerios. General Mills took a very different approach from their Disney pals. They couldn't change their brightly colored claim to fame. I mean, without that cereal, they got diddly. And no intelligent parent will purchase this as the daily sustenance to fuel their mini peoples. So what did they do to stay in business, you might ask? You're always off to be lucky charms. Oh, I forgot how good these taste. They're magically delicious. They appealed to the only audience who would purchase the stuff. 
the one they indoctrinated since they were like in diapers when they first made an emotional connection with them. Possibly you and most certainly me. In my case, it's too bad for them because I'm a food Nazi with a thing for juicing. But who knows what they'll come up with for the next 10 years. But for now, they've appealed to our sense of nostalgia, that longing for a better time when kids stayed out past dark and collected toys and boxes. It's impossible to understate the significance of examining and repositioning your target audience after 10 years. Consider your product, your brand, and your marketing. Who are the original people that you created it all for? Ask yourself, is it still relevant to them? Because 10 years later, I guarantee your original audience is not the same people you knew then. Depending on who that is for you, they've grown up. They've gotten married or gotten divorced and finished college. They've lost people. You get the picture. So is it? Is it still relevant to them? I mean, it may very well be, but I'd venture to guess that even with all them brand audits we've been doing, something's got to give. Trust me, you're not alone. Self-preservation. Sometimes staying in business means having the wisdom to just slightly shift your approach a bit. Number two, ideal customer avatar. If the survey of your target audience made you realize that it's time to shift the focus to another audience or update the current one, you're going to want to start by redoing your ideal customer avatar profiles. Episode three is going to have everything plus the kitchen sink on what they are and how to create one. But keep in mind, expanding your audiences does not mean abandoning the others. Staying competitive in this ever-changing marketplace means staying on top of brand analysis. If you discard the people who loyally supported you year after year for a younger generation, you'll be sending a message to both age categories. One that says, you guys are really important. Until you're not, don't do it. General Mills and Disney didn't flush their customers down the pooper when they pivoted. They still market to their former demographics. Relentlessly, actually. Their primary focus changed, yes, but they didn't throw baby out with the bathwater. Number three, brand value and purpose check. Reflecting on your audience may bring up, well, issues, especially when you have to reposition a bit. The business you began as may be a little bit fuzzy now. Ten years can change everything. I want you to step back and take a hard look at your brand and what you stand for. Is it the same as when you started? Do your values and brand purpose align with the 10 years later version of you? How about your audience? Does it still make sense to them? The good news is that you're not starting from scratch at year 10. Pivoting doesn't mean tearing down the whole house, right? Here's an example. Nike. Nike is always going to be Nike. You can't tell when they change their social media marketing agency, can you? No. The Nike we know is a world away from the ones our parents knew. And that how is something we can't put our finger on exactly because we don't know exactly what has changed other than the athletes. But yet, we can sit down on a sofa and watch a commercial with our parents and children and 
all connect to that Nike commercial. Now that is how you pivot. The Nike of today is not the Nike of the 90s, but it, but it is. I mean, essentially. Slight changes are bigger than we know. Brand purpose and value reevaluation in year 10. Guys, just do it. <laughs> you can get a refresher um, on the brand values in episode 7. And for the brand purpose, you can head to episode 10. Assessing the best course of action for the next decade starts with number four. Build your customer journey map, brand audit, and brand strategy. With a fresh perspective of your people comes a fresh perspective of your operation. The results of your audit and map will take on a whole new meaning. Take what you learn and run, like run, into your future with an extensive growth strategy to get there at every phase. This 10-year brand plan is this brander's in a perfect world scenario. But branding, guys, it's not a science with static facts and truths. I mean, there's some, but for the most part, nah. (laughs) It's more of a a live-action game requiring someone with the flexibility to know when to pivot. I want you to always aim for the stars, but achieve what is achievable and consider that equally a success. You've got to go into this 10-year brand plan knowing what's right for you and your business because I can tell you all of the air quotes, right things to do, and it still might not be right for you. It's a general guidelines. If something didn't resonate, throw that shit to the wind and let it help the next person. Because once you know these rules, I want you to feel free to break them. And I mean that genuinely. People who never stick a toe out of line will always blend in and never be noticed. That's not you, badasses. Break the rules without understanding them and you're a rule breaker. Break them when you do get them. Now, you're revolutionary. Oh, guys, I really could do this with you forever. But after three episodes and probably close to like two hours of audio on this in a perfect world 10-year brand plan, think it's time to lay it to rest. You'll be able to access the show notes at byobrandpodcast.com slash brand dash checklist. I'm going to be updating that page on the site with everything from episode 12 and 13. Plus... I plan on having a downloadable checklist later in the week up so you can print it out and check it off as you go without having to listen to an entire three-part series again. That'll be out sometime later this week. Guys, we made it. This is the end of season one. Again, a big thank you to everyone who has tuned in and turned it up with me. We're just rearing up for the goodness coming in in season two. I swear it's going to be awesome. Please keep sending your questions into shoutout at byobrandpodcast.com to get an on-air answer next season. I'll be updating you guys about the launch of season two throughout all of the channels in the coming weeks. All right, badasses. Here's the last time for season one. Go forth into the world. Create your version of Epic. Piss a few people off along the way and come back to tell us about it in the reviews. Until season two. And I'm out.